0: Hey, if you've got your Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Romans chapter 10 uh, or page 788 if you want to use one of the Bibles around the room on the floor. We'll also uh, have these verses here on the screen for you. We are in uh, week two of this series that uh, we kicked off last week. Uh, Steve kicked off last week called My Way Back. And uh, I think just a powerful reminder of this series is this that if you're in Christ, if uh, you call yourself uh, a Christian or a follower of Jesus, then you have a story to share. Uh, There is a Story of God's powerful work in your life. It's a story of moving from the darkness into light. It's a story of struggle and grace. It's a story of meaning and purpose. It's a story of having been lost, but you are found uh, and rescued by the power of Jesus Christ. It's the story of how you found. Your way back to God. And in this series, we're challenging you uh, to tell your My Way Back story. We're talking about the importance for every single one of us of just going out each day and sharing the story of Christ's work and power in our lives because it's a story that needs to be shared. And to help uh, model this along the way, we've asked several folks from Genesis to just let us capture their My Way Back story. Uh, the story of Christ's work in their life and last week you got to hear a powerful story uh, from someone from our church, a guy by the name of Trent and uh, this week I want you I'm excited for you actually to hear the story of my friend Josh and uh, we recorded that recently so check this out.
1: When I was a kid I grew up in a Catholic home went to church but uh, didn't really understand. I partied a lot when I was younger. I started doing drugs and alcohol at a young age. Um, I ended up becoming a father at a really young age. I ended up marrying uh, my older girl's mother when I was around 21. She took my girls and left about seven years after we had been married. Uh, It was probably the worst time of my life. I was at rock bottom uh, just staying afloat with whiskey and being alone during that season uh, in my life where I was constantly uh, drinking and it's when I was out at a bar and I met my wife Jamie We've been inseparable pretty much ever since uh, We were invited on Easter of 2015 to uh, check out Genesis with her uh, parents. Her dad had uh, invited me several times, so I thought this was a, a good opportunity to come. Uh, Easter holidays are always a, a good time for new beginnings. Decided to pick up one of the Bibles off the floor that they're always offering, and I started uh, really reading the Bible and understanding you know, who Jesus was and why it was so important to accept him. I so decided it was time to be baptized and really fully commit my life to Christ. Um, I was living a life that I just couldn't manage. I needed help, uh, and I needed more help than what anyone else around me could give me. I needed Jesus to really take control and lead our lives, so that's what I did. I, I surrendered it all. My uh, life has done a, a 180. Uh, our lives have changed drastically and my kid count has went from uh, four children to eight children which is you know all because of god i changed my degree in school from i.t to ministry i you know i feel god wants me to learn as much as i can to be able to teach others everything that you know he needs me to teach them I don't know where I'd be without Jesus, and I'm just so glad I found my way back to God. I'm Josh Scheider, and this is my way back. Hey,
0: there's a reason why we call this a celebration service. So can we celebrate uh, to God's work in uh, Josh's life and... And if you know Josh and Jamie, if you know their family at all, it really is a powerful story and there's so many other details that that he could share, but uh, just the story of Christ's work in their life and once lost but now found, darkness to light and just a new hope and it's fun to see and it's fun to celebrate. And I hope you notice this, I hope you notice that Josh's story, I think every My Way Back story really has three parts. There's the, uh, as you think about his story, there's the evidence of his life before Jesus Christ, Uh, there's an identification moment of turning to Christ and receiving that forgiveness for his life, and then there's the my life since I met Jesus. It's the powerful work of Christ in his life. And last week, we challenged you to do the same, uh, to spend some time doing some homework this past week, thinking about your own story, thinking about each of these parts. And uh, if you didn't receive a handout last week, maybe you got one today. If you didn't get one when you walked in this morning from the host team, I hope you'll pick up one of these uh, before you go, because the goal here is with this series. And the challenge really is, is we'd like everyone, all right, if you're in Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, to spend some time thinking about your story and to spend some time writing it out and answering these questions, because really, here's the big goal. The goal is to be able to share it in two minutes or less. Like, what if you just had two minutes with someone, whether it be on an elevator ride or somebody that you bumped into at the store, or, you know, someone you just had a, a couple of minutes with? Could you tell your story of coming to Christ in two minutes or less? And can you explain, hey, here's where my, my, what my life was like before I met Jesus, all right? here Here's what's going on with me. Or if you grew up in the church, but there was a big change in life for you, what was your life like before you got serious about following Jesus? And then there's the question of how did you meet Jesus? Like, what was that turning point for? For you, was it a, a friend or a family member or a neighbor that led you to Christ? Did you go through a hard time and then God found you in that, all right, and brought you out of that? Or did an, ex, an experience really just inspire you to get serious about following Him? And then finally, what's that work that He's been doing in your life since? All right, because there's that powerful moment of transformation, but then there's that lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus, all right? That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ with your life, and so can you describe what has changed? So spend some time on that if you haven't already, all right? Take this seriously. Spend some time this week thinking about your story, and then the next part, all right, is is for fun, all right, but it's also for practice too, and that is when you're ready, we hope you'll take your phone and record yourself sharing your story, all right, those instructions Instructions are on your My Way Back worksheet, and then send that, all right? Send that to the email address provided there. We're already posting these stories on our Vimeo page. If you haven't seen those yet, there's already a handful there. You can go and check those out, but do that work this week. Let's be encouraged together. It's fun. It's exciting because, listen, every person, all right, if you're in Christ, every person has a powerful My Way Back story, but what I want to spend some time talking with you about today is that it's not just enough to have it. All right, it's not just enough to identify that story in your life, but there's something that God wants from each of us when it comes to sharing that story with others. And we're going to see that here in Romans 10. Let's pick up this morning. Let's start here for just a second. Then we're going to turn over to, to another place in the Bible, but Romans chapter 10 starting in verse 9. This is actually from the New Living Translation. So if you're reading from the Bibles in the room, this might sound a little different, but look what the apostle Paul says for us as Christ followers. He starts off by reminding us this. He says, "If you open declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, look what he says, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. He says, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same. In this respect, they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. And then verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul declares, all right, that Jesus Christ, that God's son came for all people. He came for this world. But then he says, he, he, he really wants us to, to kind of zoom in on this. to understand the importance of making a personal decision because he says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We sometimes call this the good news or we we call it the gospel, same word. But notice that Paul says, he stresses that it's for all people. But then Paul's going to raise three questions that as Christians, as Christ followers, we must consider, all right? And what I'm praying today is that God would move in your heart to consider these questions and how they apply to even your own life for every single one of us here today. Look what he says in verse 14. He asks three questions. Number one, he says, but how can they call on him to save them, all right, unless they believe in him, all right? And we could preach a whole message on that. But look at the second question, and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? So we could spend a lot of time talking about this one too, but here's what we're going to focus on today. Look at this third question. He says, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Write this down in your notes this morning if you're following along. How, How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How can they hear about him unless someone tells him? Now, think about this. Think about, if especially if, if you're in Christ today, how, how did you come to know Jesus? Like, what was that process like for you? Did someone tell you? Maybe a, maybe a friend, maybe a neighbor, maybe a coworker or something. Maybe it was your spouse or maybe a, a, a pastor. Who, who shared the good news of Jesus Christ with you? Like, I was thinking about my own life this past week and thinking about the role my parents played uh, in that for me. Uh, as a very young uh, young boy, uh, I, I think about the pastor of the church that I grew up in, Pastor Gary. I think about the the youth pastor in my church, uh, Jeff, and uh, just his work in my life. I think about my Sunday school teachers. That's what we used to call it, Sunday school. But I think about Mister and Mrs. Larson and Mrs. McCall and Mister and Mrs. Crozy and the the role that they played in my life. Man, if you're serving in Gen kids today, I want you to know you've got a role and a responsibility. All right, you've got an opportunity to influence kids as they influence me. But my church for me was so important in me coming to Christ and choosing to follow Christ. And so Paul says, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? The implication is they can't, that they, want, they, they can't, that if you and I don't share our stories, if we don't go out and do the work that God has called us to do, if we don't share the good news of Jesus Christ with others, do you know what happens? Nothing like the potential of nothing for some people, like it, it ends with us. Now, this is especially important to consider then that you and I have a role, that we have a part to play, and, and I think it's especially important because get this, we live in a day and age today where people far from God are less and less likely to come walking through the doors of our church on a Sunday morning. It's just true. It's just research that shows that people are less and less likely to do just that if they're not invited. All right, if someone doesn't share with them. And that just raises the responsibility that you and I have when it comes to living out our faith and sharing our faith with others. And, and I'll, I'll add this, I get, I understand the sovereignty of God. All right? God is a sovereign God. His will cannot be defi- denied on this world, but his, his, that means His plans can't be stopped. But it raises the question then, are you an active participant in those plans? Or are you a hindrance to the work And the plans of God. You see, every one of us has a powerful story, but the story, the power of your story will never be released unless you share it, all right? Unless you live your story out, because how can they believe if they can't or if they never hear? How can they, they believe unless someone tells them? Or get this, could it be that that someone that God has in mind is you? What if someone coming to Christ, what if you're the someone in that story? That God has in mind that you will share the story of Christ's work in your life so that they might believe could it could it be that he is waiting for you to be bold to have compassion to even have the courage to tell others the people that God has put in your life the story of what Christ has done for you the hope that you have in Jesus Christ uh, turn over to Acts chapter 8 okay so go back to the left uh, in your Bibles if you would to Acts chapter 8 or page 764 again if you're following along the room there's a, a story that I want to look at just very briefly that I think illustrates this so well and uh, it's a, here in Acts chapter 8 that we meet a man by the name of Philip Now, this is understood to be a different Philip than the the Philip that followed Jesus, the Philip that is known as one of the the, the disciples, all right? And and so this is uh, what we sometimes refer to as Philip the Evangelist or Philip the Deacon because he's one of the seven deacons that was chosen to oversee the church in Jerusalem. But at the start of Acts chapter 8, Saul, all right, who we know now as Paul when he came to Christ, uh, began heavily persecuting the church. And we're told that Philip the Evangelist headed north out of Jerusalem And he went into the area of Samaria to preach the good news of Jesus there. And so the Samaritans, according to Acts, heard the story, all right, heard the story that Paul was sharing, and they believed the good news, and many were baptized. But now watch what happens in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, All right, here's what uh, Luke, the writer of Acts, records for us. He says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And then we get a note here that this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, remember, Philip had a very fruitful ministry that was going on in Samaria. There were new churches that were being started. There was even more work still to be done. But an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and told him to go. And I just want you to notice that Philip went without objection. Uh, Philip didn't go with, he, he, he didn't ask these questions, he just went. All right, he went out of obedience, knowing, uh, not knowing where he was going or even who he was going to meet. But he does meet someone. And the scripture here says the man is a eunuch. Now, traditionally, a eunuch was someone, hang with me, who willingly, I guess you could say, gave up his boy parts, all right, so as to assure... That there was never any funny business on his part, all right, because he was operating within the inner chambers uh, of the kingdom, all right, of this particular kingdom in Ethiopia. And so uh, he, there was very high trust put on him. And so uh, we're told that he was in charge of the treasury. And so he was likely given this prominent position in the palace, but at a hefty cost, right? And which just—I just got to thinking this: like, like, how badly do you want the promotion? Like, you know, how how badly do you want a certain job that you're willing to sacrifice so much for? But uh, back to the the text here. Again, the man uh, had gone to Jerusalem, this eunuch, to worship. So we can suppose that in some way he was at least familiar with Judaism, had converted to Judaism, uh, whatever the case. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship the God of Israel. And in verse 28, we read this. He says, and as he was on his way home, all right, he was sitting in this chariot, his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet, and the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, remember, we talked a few weeks ago about listening to the Spirit's voice. All right, and the obedience that follows or should follow. And again, it was an angel of the Lord that told Philip to go to this area, and he encounters this man from Ethiopia, and now he's getting further direction and prompting from the Holy Spirit to go near the chariot, verse 30. It says, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, the man replied, unless someone explains it to me And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, talk about low-hanging fruit, right? right, Talk about being prepared for a moment. I mean, here's this man. He's reading the Scriptures. He's trying to understand what they mean. And the Lord has someone in mind in Philip ready to share in this moment. Look at verse 32. It says, this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then look what happens in verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then notice this. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, man, I wish, I wish we had more details here. I wish we had more information. I'd, I'd love to know what that conversation was like and what Philip told the guy. Like, what did he say? Uh, how, did, how did Philip incorporate even his own story of coming to Christ and trusting Christ in this moment, explaining what Christ had done for him and how he could do the same for this man? We don't get to see that, all right? But here's what we know. Because of Philip's faithfulness, verse 36 tells us, that as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now, why is this important? Why is this so significant? Well, here's the thing. Well, the Bible teaches that baptism is a clear picture of someone surrendering their life to Christ. It's a clear example of someone who has moved from death into new life the act of going underwater is like burial in our sin but coming up out of the water is like being raised to new life in Jesus Christ and it's why when we baptize people here at Genesis we speak we we quote directly from Romans chapter 6 verse 11 that we are dead to our sin but we are raised to new life in Jesus Christ and maybe this is a good time a good opportunity I think to highlight something important for every single one of us get this it was the normal practice, as Steve just said a moment ago, of the New Testament church for baptism to follow immediately after making a decision to trust Christ, after conversion. So get this, the New Testament does not entertain the idea of an unbaptized follower of Jesus Christ. And of course, maybe uh, for those of you that know your Bible, if you've been around this a long time, you might think about this for a while and you might say, hey, I could think of one. What about, what about the thief on the cross, right? Well, What about those final moments of the thief's life? He never had an opportunity to come down from the cross and to be baptized, right? Well, that's true, right? But understand that the thief on the cross is the exception, not the rule. And if for some reason you are physically unable to go under the water, to get into the water, that's a different story, all right? That's a different conversation. But we must recognize that this act of baptism is really an act of obedience. It's a question of obedience because the command is to be baptized. And so here's what I want to say for some of you this morning, and I just pray that God would open your heart to hear this if this is for you, that if if you have received Christ by grace through faith, but baptism isn't a part of your story yet, it's time It's time. Let me me just be a messenger from the Lord for you today to say it is time for you to take the step in your life to be baptized. And I wanna strongly encourage you to do just that. And again, we're gonna baptize across our seven Easter services in just a couple of weeks. It's an opportunity for you to declare to this church and to your family and to your friends that you are dead to sin, but alive in Jesus Christ. And again, you can uh, stop by that baptism class after the service today. Catch Steve if you want. You can register for baptism. Through our web or through the website or through the app. But again, the New Testament does not entertain the idea of an unbaptized follower of Jesus. Again, it's a matter of obedience, and we want you, I want you to obey this command to be baptized. So catch us if you have some questions. We'd love to talk with you more about that. But that's what the eunuch did. All right, you'll notice he gave orders to stop the chariot. He went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And again, it's because Philip was available and willing to share his faith and share his story and the good news with this Ethiopian man. I want to end with this this morning before we wrap up. I want to just address this question for a moment of what's our motive? Like, what's our motive for sharing our stories? Like Why would Philip go all the way out of his way to interact with this man? Why would Paul uh, devote his life to traveling all around the world, telling others about Jesus? Write this down in your notes this morning if you're following along. Here, here's our motive. Here's our motivation. It's to love God, all right, and to love people. Our motive is out of our love for God and our love. For people. Jesus said the greatest commandment is just this. It's to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is like it. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 22, that we love our neighbors as ourselves. And so you could sum it up simply in that we love God. That's the first part of our motivation. But the second part is that we love people. And on a very practical level, then, this is what drives us. Our love for God is what drives us or should drive us to tell others about Jesus. It should be the fuel that propels us in sharing our stories. Again, that we would love God so deeply. That we would love Him so deeply and so passionately that we would be obedient to His command to go out and make disciples, and we would love others so completely that we would break through then all of our insecurities, all of our fears, all of our this complacently to share the hope that is inside of us, the hope that has changed our lives forever. Check this out. Many of you will be familiar with the names Penn and Teller. Uh, They're entertainers, they have an ongoing show in Vegas, and what you might not be aware of is that Penn has been very open about his views when it comes to religion. Uh, He's an atheist, he claims to be an atheist, and uh, you've maybe seen this before, it happened just a while back, but I, I was struck by a story that he shares about a Christian who came up to him after one of his shows one night and gave him a Bible and spent a little bit of time talking about his faith, all right? And later that night, after that show, Penn sat down and recorded this message, which, again, maybe you have seen, maybe you haven't. Check out this short message of how Penn described that moment.
2: And I've always said, you know, that I I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually.
0: Consider those words that He said in there. I don't know if you caught them. He said, how much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Now, what, what a powerful message. What a, what a great question for us to consider. And this coming from a man who has no belief in God but understands that sharing your story, sharing the story of the hope of Christ in you is an issue of love or lack of it. And consider this too, you know, for Jesus, uh, the disciples, Stephen and Paul, all of the early church, I mean, they showed us that we must be willing to die for the sake of the gospel, all right, die for the sake of our own faith. And so many of them gave their physical lives for their faith, but in the Western church today, all right, and that includes those of us in America. The death we're called to is less likely to be a physical death and will more likely be a social death. But think about that for a moment. We're so afraid at times. I've been so afraid to die socially by way of ridicule, of rejection from friends or family or neighbors or coworkers or other students that we never share the story of what Christ has done in our lives and the good news of Jesus unfortunately, on so many occasions, ends with us. And so until our love for God and our love for people brings us to the point that we're willing to die even a social death and overcome our fear of rejection and ridicule, we'll not likely not be used by God to win others to Christ. Again, listen, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, you you have, if you are in Jesus Christ, you have a remarkable story to tell of Christ's work in your life. It's your My Way Back story. And as we mentioned last week, you know, we challenge you to to compose your story, to spend some time writing your story. This week, I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you to share your story, to share your story with someone else. And let me just give you two specific things quickly uh, to be thinking about as it comes to sharing your story. These are in your notes. The first challenge is this, is to start off by sharing your story with another Christ follower all right, because that's good practice, all right, and that's encouraging, all right, and we can build up our confidence in doing just that because I know that it can be intimidating. I get that. So let's get some practice by sharing our stories with others, and so share them together as a family around the table, or maybe you've got a good friend that invited you today that you've been spending time with that you can share your story with. Work on it together, or it could be an exercise that you take up as a connection group even this week to share your My Way Back story, but here's the second challenge, all right? I want you to recognize something, All right, Easter is coming, all right? We talk a lot about that. We've mentioned that a couple of times today. And just like Philip interacting with the eunuch here, we have a very unique opportunity in front of us because I believe still that Easter is one of those unique times when people who aren't typically interested in church, we heard that in Joshua's story, are more than willing to attend a service at Easter, and so all of a sudden they become more receptive to an invitation. So here's the second challenge for you. I want you to share your story with someone who is far from God to think about, to pray about sharing your my way back story with someone who is far from God and like Philip, be, be faithful in this and be courageous when given that opportunity. And even if it seems a little scary, let's ask God for an opportunity like that. And when he provides it, Let's do that out of obedience and see what happens, and let's not forget again Paul's words, his questions in Romans 10, 14, when he says, but how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him, and how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him, and how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them, and maybe this will help. Maybe cross out that word someone, not in your Bible, all right, but uh, maybe on your notes there, cross out that word someone and put your name in there. Let's make it personal. Put your name in there. How can they hear about Him unless I tell them, unless Paul tells them? And then maybe, maybe even, maybe make it more personal, cross out the word they. And maybe there's a name that already comes to mind for you of someone in your life who is far from God right now. And what's it mean to hear that person's name? And how can, you know, Tom hear about him? unless I tell him. Again, could it be that that someone that God has in mind is you? And could it be that all he is waiting for is your boldness and your obedience and your courage to share with others, with lost people in your life, the good news of Jesus? Because that's what Philip did. Philip told this man from Ethiopia, and it changed his life and his eternity. But you know what's so cool about his story? All right, not only did it make a difference for this one man from Ethiopia, but there's actually reason to believe that it was much bigger than that. Like, get this, I, I found this in studying this past week. It comes out of the Zondervan commentary, and look what's recorded about this event and about This Ethiopian man coming to Christ. Here's what Zondervan records. They said, Before his ascension, Jesus said that the disciples would be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right? And the conversion then of the Ethiopian eunuch marks an enormous stride forward toward the fulfillment of this goal because to Greeks, to the Greeks and to the Romans, Ethiopia, get this, was at the ends of the earth. And describing Poseidon's trip to the Ethiopians, it was Homer that said that they, the Ethiopians, live at the world's end. Do you catch the significance of this? Do you see what God is up to here? An early Christian tradition holds that the Ethiopian returned to his country and returned to his people at the end of the earth and full of his newfound faith in Jesus Christ by his influence and by the power of Christ in him, the gospel spread. And then I found this before I close. According to a 2015 Washington Post story, get this, and I quote, over the past 100 years, Christians grew from less than 10% of Africa's population to its nearly 500 million today. One out of four Christians in the world now is from Africa. And the Pew Research Center estimates that it will grow to 40% by 2030. How cool is that? I've heard others say that Africa is the Christian center of the world today. It's no longer America. It's Africa. And it just makes me wonder what kind of impact you might have and I could have and Genesis could have and other churches in this community if we would share the story, if we would make it our effort every single day to share the power of Christ for our lives, what kind of impact could God have through your obedience to follow Jesus? Let's love God enough to obey. Let's love His people enough to share, and let's find out together what God might want to do through us. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are offering up our whole lives to you because Jesus Christ gave his life for ours. And we are praying that even this morning you will do a work inside of us, that you open up our hearts and our minds, that you will put inside of us a fire and a passion to share our stories of Christ's work in us with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.